What's up, everybody? This is Sam with Rowdy Alternative, and tonight we are with uh, Hippies and Cowboys, uh, a few of them at least. We have uh, frontman Aaron uh, Sparling, we have uh, lead guitarist Victor Aruda, and uh, drummer Scott Mecca. How you boys doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having us. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's uh, start at the beginning before we hop into anything else, just for people to familiarize themselves with you. Uh, I guess just give us a few words uh, on how you guys got started and how you guys uh, formed, I guess. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. Rewind to about five years ago back in Kokomo, Indiana. That's where I'm from. Um, I've been living in Nashville for about five years now this February. So five years ago, um, my band was playing at my uncle's honky tonk there and we opened up for David Ball, who's a, a Grammy Award winning country guy, you know. You ever heard that song, Thinking Problem? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, that's a real good one by David. But anyhow, Scott, um, our drummer, was drumming for David Ball at the time. And uh, I just remember watching them play, and um, they were just killing it. And I was super impressed. So I knew I was going to be moving to Nashville within the next few months. So I got them all back in the green room and... I just basically asked them if they wanted to be my band when I got down to Nashville because I had some things lined up and we were going to get together and do some shows. So uh, I got them in the back of the of the green room one night and, you know, it's all smoke and mirrors back there. And <laughs> I was just telling them that uh, I was moving to Nashville and asked if they wanted to be my band and they were all saying, yeah, yeah, totally. Probably fully expecting me to never show up, you know, and uh <laughs> About a month later, I called Scott when I got to Nashville, and I was like, hey, man, I'm here. You guys ready to uh, start doing some rehearsing? And and we did. And, you know, eventually, a few months in, the guitar player dropped off, you know, and then, you know, six months from then, the the bass player dropped off. And that's really when we figured out the um, first original lineup of Hippies and Cowboys. Uh, we got our buddy Andrew Lambie to come in and play bass. And at that point it was a three piece, me, Scott and Lambie. Oh, wow. So that's how that got started. This is three or four years ago now since we've, yeah, it's been about four years that we've been a band. Nice. Uh, so uh, when did you uh, come in, Victor? Um, about two years ago, almost right around this time, like February ish. Uh, I lost all my gigs in town, so I was like, "Dang, I need to, I need to do something here." <laughs> and I ran into Kevin and Scott. I played a gig with them, and from there, they were like, "Hey, man, we need a guitar player for some upcoming shows." So I was like, "Yeah, sure, I need to work." And then I met Aaron, and we just, you know, hit it off, been rock and roll buddies ever since, and. Uh, all the work came in. I became good friends with the guys. And from there, I was like, yeah, man, I want to be a part of this. And, you know, started writing music with them, playing original shows. And that was about two years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, right on. And so, yeah, you guys are play around uh, Nashville, obviously. Um, I'm uh, Ray's Rowdy is based in Nashville, but I personally, I'm up in Cincy. So I do like, that's why I do like the remote interviews and stuff. So I get down there every once in a while and um, so I get to see like all the cool places, all the cool town, or I mean, all the cool like bars and places that people play. Um, where are some places you guys like frequent down there when you guys have gigs? We uh, we have a residency at Kid Rock's bar 
And we Ooh, play nice. there every Tuesday um, at 10 p.m. And oh. sometimes we'll do it on the weekends, but we're usually traveling on the weekends. We tour all over the place, you know, doing a variety of different kind of things. And uh, But we just sold out 3rd and Lindsley January 3rd. So that was our first big uh, sold-out show in Nashville. So that felt really nice. We worked really hard to promote it, you know, and get the right lineup and, and all that stuff that goes into putting on a great show. So, yeah, I remember the first time I've been in Nashville actually wasn't even, that was probably about three years ago now. And I went, the first place I wanted to go was Kid Rocks because like, you know, it's Kid Rock. And, uh, so (laughs) it's really the best bar down there, you know, as far as, um, crowd wise, you know, and the stage and production is by far the best, but I, you know, I'm biased. <laughs> we also play all over the place. I mean, we've played almost every venue there is in Nashville. We've done the end. We've done the basement. We've done the basement east. We've done um, the underdog, the Cobra, the East Room. You know, we just between all of us, we've played everywhere. Sky Deck. Um, right know, on. We played. You know, over the years before we got regular at Kid Rocks, we played all over Broadway. You know, Nudies and. Johnny Cash's Tin Roof and just Crossroads and just all over the place, Bowie's. So, yeah. you know, we've been doing this for a long time um, professionally. Like, this is our only job, you know, when I say professionally. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, between all of us, we've just really played all over town, you know. Yeah. Have you guys played around? I, um, go ahead. Sorry. Other than the Ryman and the Opry, I think. <laughs> are the two that are on our bucket list that we haven't done yet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you guys played uh, – and I'm not too familiar with, like, the different parts of Nashville. I'm not there a lot. But have you all played um, Midtown anywhere there? Oh, yeah. We played Winners and Losers. We used to do – you know, well, we still do. We've done Whiskey Jam back when it was over at Winners, you know, in Midtown. And we uh, We used to frequent Losers – over there in Midtown. You remember that, Scott, when mm-hmm. we were trying to get Doug Frazier? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like years ago. We were just trying to get a gig over trying there. Trying to get gigs, man. When <laughs> you don't know anybody in town, just trying to get a gig anywhere you can. So we used to just go and hang out at places a lot, try and infiltrate, you know, and figure out some connections to get some booking or whatever, you know, or just make friends. Yeah, I mean, networking's the name of the game. And it's funny you say uh, winners – I was going to ask you all this after we stopped recording, but it got brought up, so fuck it. But um, Ray's Rowdy's going to be doing, uh, I believe it's called, they're going to start doing events at Winners on uh, Wednesdays, full band events. And uh, they used to do Live Oak, which I think they're still going to do Live Oak stuff, but they're going to do the full band stuff at Winners. And I need to get you all connected on that if you all are down, because I, he's been telling me to, ask the guys I interview. So we'll get you set up if you guys are down with that, but just wanted to throw that out there. We'd love that. We, we, we're all about doing the the local showcase things like that. You know, that's really where you meet a lot of your good friends and, you know, it's such a great community to be a part of. So we enjoy doing things like that, like rowdy on the row. That's what the, his rowdy was. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, I went there and done that a few times. That's another one we played live oak, um, tin roof demumbrian right there, all that stuff. Man. Oh, yeah. We've done it all the doghouse. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So uh, I listened to uh, I, I made sure to go listen to all you, all your guys' stuff today, and um, there I got to the uh, live album, the live at was it Fox and Lock? I think it is. Yeah, that was our yeah. first. And um, man, I was honestly I, I was pretty blown away just by how it sounded with like I how. How would you guys describe your live show? Because it sounds electric, especially like like your original stuff, obviously. But even the covers, like you, it's one thing to cover a song, and it's another thing to make it your own. And especially like with a little help from my friends, the Joe Cocker version you guys did. Yeah. Like I've heard, I've heard covers of that before. That you know, Joe Cocker's like up here, man. Like it's hard to get close. And I'm not blowing smoke up your guys' ass, but like it, it's pretty damn close with you guys. So how? How would uh, you guys describe your live show if you had to? Man, I would say super high energy, you know, um, very eclectic. Um, I think it's hands down one of the best rock and roll shows that you're going to be able to see in today's generation. Um, Based upon uh, the way we interact with the crowd and the way we have a flow to our show, you know, we keep it going. There's really no dead air. And we're really proud of it because we work extremely hard to build our show, you know, and to pick the right songs, the right covers. And, uh, you know, out of all the time spent just making sure that we get the, the right thing comes positive results, you know, because we, we try and we fail, you know, some songs just don't make the cut. But with a little help from my friends was one of those songs that all of us have has always loved. And we had horns in our band, you know, so we were always trying to find good horn songs, you know, and mm-hmm. that was one of those songs that we could take and we could jam it out. It's kind of like a jam song for us, you know, because we put all those long guitar solos in there and the horns blaring away, you know, I think, yeah. uh, I think that was a really good choice too. And we're super proud of that one. Yeah. So I, that was actually, I was going to ask about the, the, horns next question is that i didn't know if like that was added in or not is that a consistent part of your live show uh the horns yeah for the most part we used to have full-time horn players and you know we just kind of needed to change our sound up a little bit so Mm -hmm. we let players go and now we just hire them from show to show you know we've got a set of horn players that we like and um we just kind of do the hired gun thing for now. Um, I, I think eventually once we get our road pack going, you know, and we start hitting the road quite a bit, then we'll have horn players full time again, you know, but right now it's just easier for the writing, you know, and to have less cooks in the kitchen, less people making decisions on where the music should go, you know, and the five of us together are all uh, pretty much vibing on the same thing at the moment. And it's just easier with less people. Right. Is um in town, Nashville specifically. So I I get out to like Texas and Oklahoma a lot more than I do Nashville. So I know like a lot of acts out there and it seems like a real tight knit. It's all, it's like a family almost. Is Nashville that same way or is it more is it more camaraderie based like we're all going to make it together or is it more competition like cutthroat or does it meet in the middle? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think there's plenty of both going on, to be honest with you. I don't think that it leans more either way. 
I just think that um, if you find the right group of people, you know, those are the people you end up running with. It's there, all kinds of people are everywhere. You know, you've got people that are all out for themselves, and then you've got people that are family oriented and want to do it together. I think you can find that in any city or in any profession, really. You know, so I think it's just all about making sure you find the right people in your life and getting the right crew together and really knowing that it's the right thing before you go and, you know, put yourself out on the line and jeopardize, you know, your career or anything like that, getting with the wrong people. Yeah. Um, so then do you guys have like a, I guess you could call it a plan, but more of like, do you guys have an idea of like, this is what we have to do to like get out and hit the next level? Like, or is it kind of just like we just taking any gig we can to just keep progressing or how do you guys look at that? I'd say, uh, you know, we're definitely not shy to take gigs. Uh, we, we kind of somewhat have a strategy, but I feel like the most of what we do is we do it off of feel and what feels right and what doesn't feel right. You know, at the time we kind of, we have little goals here and there. You know, just like little milestones we try and reach all the time, set little goals rather than, you know, five little goals rather than a really big goal. And I feel like you'll get to the really big goal faster, you know, trying to do all the little things it takes in between. So I'd say just vibing and going with the flow, you know, and um, actively trying to keep pushing up the ladder, you know, little by little grassroots and our way up to the top you know right um when you got to because you told me a bit about how you like when you uh, got to nashville what and this this could be a question for all three of you honestly is there what was the um how was that big that step to finally say all right i'm moving this is what i'm gonna do because that sounds completely daunting to coming for me a person who isn't doing that it just sounds like a huge like step in your life you have to take and was that like hard to do or did you kind of just jump into it well when i came to nashville i kind of just had a group of friends so we kind of like all came together and we're like let's do this guy so i had like a, a little helping system you know so we all kind of helped each other it wasn't so scary when you got people to do it but um when you get here it's kind of like it's it's scary at first to go out and meet everybody and make connections but you just got to do it go out there start playing like little open mics and jams and stuff so that's kind of what we started doing and we had some friends too on broadway that were kind of like you know throwing us work a little bit but Really just going out, going to the shows, meeting the people. It was like, you know, you just start doing that, work a little job. That's what I would do. I worked at the zoo for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, got to get by, make the money, and go out, make the friends, you know, go get some beers with the the homies, the musical homies around. Drink with the the zoo animals. Drink with the zoo animals. Zoo friends. I used to do construction for years when I moved here, you know, before we started playing music full time. Every day that, uh, you know, this job starts to get tough, I just think back to swinging a hammer and I'm like, well, at least I'm not 
working construction, waking up at six in the morning, you know? Oh, yeah. So life could be worse. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Scotty? What's it like for you moving here? I mean, it, it was kind of a process of elimination for me because growing up in a little town, Wisconsin, my dad was a professional musician. So in the 50s and 60s, he was on a couple of national labels, uh, recorded for RCA Victor in Chicago, was on TV. So I, I kind of grew up with a background of some high level stuff. It was kind of in me before I really knew. And it, it just wouldn't leave. And I, I went to New York for about six weeks. That didn't feel right. It was just like too much. I went to Minneapolis. I stayed there longer, but it still wasn't the right fit. It was just clicky. I, I got some things done and then I just tried to walk away from it. Like, this is too tough. I'm this music business. I, and then I remember the day I went out to see Sheryl Crow and Michelle Branch and Sean Mullins and outdoor concert. And I'm walking around the festival grounds like, this is what you should be doing, dude. This is the, this is where you belong. And a friend of mine that I worked at a drum shop with, he had moved to Nashville when I moved to Minneapolis. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking, when I came down here, it's like, huh, I wonder if I should have considered Nashville. And then he gets a gig with Gretchen Wilson and when her redneck woman thing was going. And I'm like, okay, something's happening down there. I got to go check this out. So I got here and compared to the other couple places I was at, it was just so much more welcoming and people were just more willing to help. Now, this was a few years ago. I didn't run into the cutthroat thing at all. I did in Minneapolis. I couldn't get Prince's drummer to say more than two sentences. Wait a minute. If he hears this, he'll probably not believe it. Anyway, um, I, and down here, I was on stage. I was sitting in and, and screwing up, and I could tell that I had work to do, but people were giving me a shot. So right away, it was just like a welcoming area, and it just kind of confirmed, like, all right, I'm here. This is what I should be doing. I'm going to get this figured out. I'm going to make something happen, or at least I'm going to get it out of my system. So it was just something that I had to do. It just, it, it just, it just wasn't going to leave me alone. So gotcha. So school and nice. So and I was this. I just thought of this. I was uh, a few weeks back. I was on here talking to. I don't know if you guys know who Coleman Williams is. He's in four in the strength. He's a uh, grandson of hank jr and like hank three's kid he's in his own band dude one time yeah and i was our shows at kid rock i was wondering where that sounded familiar yeah I, I was talking to him on here and he of course you know he's it, he was born into the music scene that whole thing of course and if i remember right i think he said he grew up in nashville and he says it's changed he wasn't too uh, when he said Nashville changed, he wasn't exactly saying it in a good way. And I know, of course, what, what do you, so what was without, you know, you don't have to shit on Nashville. I'm just wondering what your guys's take on that might be, if it has changed for the better or for worse or what. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get wrapped up in all that bullshit and just want to talk shit when they don't have shit happening for them, you know? Okay. And, but it's like Nashville's been very good to us, man. And, and hell, there's lots of opportunity. It's it's up to you to make it happen, you know. I mean, uh, in my opinion, I don't think 
you know, yeah, I mean, if you're sitting around with a shitty attitude and saying how bad it fucking sucks, then chances are you're probably not doing much that's any good to make you change your mind, you know, and I think that all falls back on you, you know, everybody can sit around and whine about how life is treating them unfair and how Nashville sucks because, oh, it's too many people out for themselves. Well, you know, you're just hanging out with the wrong crowd of people, you know, in my opinion. And I'm not trying to say that he sucks by any means, so don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) No, no. Anybody that, like, you know, wants to sit around and whine, those are the people that uh, most of the time spend their life depressed and, you know, don't have much going for them because they'd rather sit around and play the victim card rather than get up and do something about it. And I got to say something about Aaron here because he and I have had some phone calls where he would call me just kind of frustrated that stuff wasn't happening. But he kept going. He kept persevering. It wasn't like, well, this town sucks. I'm sorry I came here. It's like, okay, what else are we going to do? We got to try this. It was just the attitude of we got to keep knocking on this door. We just got to keep working at it. You know, this isn't working. How about this? What if we do this? And we'd go sit at barbecue restaurants or, or just come over <laughs> to the house and talk and and just just strategize. I remember sitting at my dining room table, and I'm not kidding you. This is like during COVID, and we're throwing ideas around. And I said, what if we released a final album? And he looks at me and he says, oh, that'd be awesome. Well, it took us three years, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it just, you, you just don't quit. You just You, you just can't quit. If it's in you and you have to do it, you're 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 gonna figure out a way. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's the, the mindset to have, you know. It's just you know, I just can't stand it when people sit around and talk about how bad the times are and you know, I, I think that's starting to do you know, that just has a lot to do with uh what you make of your own life in my opinion. Because anybody can be successful, but it's certainly not easy. You know, and for those people that don't like to work hard, well, then the music business is definitely not your forte, you know? <laughs> right. No, I mean, that, that makes sense. Um, And real quick, now you mentioned the vinyl process. How is that? How do you do that? Because that just sounds like a pain in the ass to get started. And like, surely it has to take a long time. Like, how, how was that? Like, just from an artist standpoint. I'm going to. I'll go over how this all folded out for us. Uh, So first of all, we played a show at Fox and Lock. Um, I think it was, you know, sometime last year in October or something like that. And it was a sold out show. And we had had like three sold out shows there and we recorded like three shows. And um, so what we did, we decided we were like, trying to decide on if we wanted to go and like record a studio album or what do we want to do you know and we had all these live recordings that were just kind of sitting there and we started listening back to them and you know they were pretty damn good so we just kind of got to brainstorming and we were like what if we put together a live record because for one nobody's like putting out live records anymore i feel like everything's so polished in the studios Mm -hmm. everybody's using you know all this modern technology to record music and and we basically you know the way we do things is uh just get in there and play some good old rock and roll and who cares about the rest you know and um 
we're really a live band. I feel like our sound is like definitely like way better live, you know, and the experience of seeing a, one of our live shows is so, so fun. You know, I think we have such a fun environment. Um, it's a really open environment. There's tons of different kinds of people there, you know, typically at our shows. And we just create this environment where everybody kind of comes together and forgets about life for a while and just focuses on the music and focuses on the now and has a good time, you know? So um, we decided that we wanted to do a live record because that's, you know, that kind of captures that rawness and that raw grit and energy, you know, that I don't think you can uh, replicate in the studio or, you know, you can, but it's super hard to, Mm -hmm. to have that kind of, energy because of the crowd and everything in front of you you know you kind of almost play differently when you're um in the studio and and in front of a live audience so we decided to make a live record and like scott had said we'd been wanting to do vinyl for years so <laughs> we finally you know had enough money in the band account to put together a budget to make some vinyls so I don't think that we really anticipated it to be as much as it was like not cost wise, but work wise. Like mm-hmm. when we were talking about making vinyl, I think we just thought, Oh, we'll just send some tracks over to a, to a company and they'll lay it on the vinyl and everything will be a okay. You know, well, I will tell you personally that it is a pain in the ass because there's so much involved you got to have all the tracks mixed set like separately and mastered for vinyl like for for digital and vinyl is two different things and we didn't know that at first you know so we had to have it all mixed and mastered to be on vinyl and um so that was kind of a pain and then we had to uh design all the artwork for like the covers and there's so many like we put a poster in there and the record was and the actual 45 itself was in a sleeve inside of the cardboard sleeve. And, you know, you got to figure out whether it's going to be saran wrapped or in a plastic fold top baggie. And, you know, there's just so many things going into it. And it costs a lot of money, you know, and time. It takes like almost six months mm-hmm. to get it done. So we were like pushing down to the nitty gritty on our time limit because we had a, our album release party was October 7th. I think we got started, what, two and a half months before our release date. So, like, Mm -hmm. they were pushing hard, you know. It was down to the wire on the last day or so before our release that we actually picked up the vinyl, you know. So, next time, now we know uh, we're going to be way more planned out, you know. It was just, like, everything was go, go, go with this. And it, it was just, you know, scrambling last minute to make sure everything was done. So, for any of you out there that are considering making vinyl, I would just say make sure you have plenty of time to, um, you know, have it made and and make sure you got plenty of time before your actual date that you need it by, you know, because if you need it by like February 27th, you need to pick it up by like February 1st because chances are their production queue, you know, might push it off or, you know, there's just all kinds of things that can happen. So. We learned it's better to be prepared and give yourself plenty of time when it comes to making vinyl. Yeah, but like nowadays, uh, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, like it, it, 
wouldn't it be like worth doing the vinyl? Because like, I feel like it's a huge fad right now. You know what I mean? Like I see like everyone's doing vinyl. People are into it again. Uh, did yeah. you, were you happy with the, all that when it like, when oh, it man, came to it? together? No, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, you know, and, and we've been selling the shit out of them. People love to have something that they can touch and feel. I feel like it kind of went out for a few years, you know, but it's definitely back. People want that physical copy, you know, and not a CD because nobody's buying CDs, you know, but vinyl people are definitely buying. So um, I think it turned out great and it's, we love having it at the merch table. I think it's one of our best sellers, you know? So um, I definitely say if you've got the money to do it and you've got the time, get it done. Cause, cause it's definitely puts you kind of a step above everybody else. You know, I feel like you, if you're taking the, um, the money and the dedication of the time to do something like that, it definitely shows that you're, you know, serious about what you're doing and you're trying hard, you know? And Sam, there's yeah. nothing like walking into a vinyl pressing plant and watching your albums being cut on warm vinyl and watching the scraps being cut off of the side of the album and looking right next to the vinyl pressing machine next to yours and they're printing Dolly Parton's Rockstar album at the same time in the same room. And then you get to hold that thing. It was fantastic. If you scroll back through our social media, you can see us all just going wild that day <laughs> just like a sense of accomplishment it was i mean everybody should do it i mean if you're a serious band and you got the fan base that's going to want to get behind an album do it man that that would last last forever it's going to be sitting on people's shelves forever if you uh if you are out there and you're looking for um a place to cut some vinyl. We use Vinyl Lab in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and they're super good friends of ours. Did a great job, reasonably uh, priced. So, yeah, shout out to Vinyl Lab. Yeah. Yeah, shout out. Hell yeah, guys, that's awesome. Um, I, uh, when I was looking, uh, when I was uh, looking up stuff about you guys um, a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. I saw that you guys recorded in Muscle Shoals. Um, and man, like personally, I'm a huge Skinnerd fan, so obviously, like that stuck out to me right away. Uh, given the history of that place, uh, what was your like when you walked in there? Like, wh what was the first thing you thought? Like, because that had to have been crazy. The first time I went down there was 2019, and um, I found out about Muscle Shoals because of a Bishop Dunn. I was watching oh, yeah. social media's. And um, I saw that they were recording at Fame, and I didn't know what the hell it was, but I started, you know, investigating, and I, you know, soon found out what Fame was, and I was blown away. I had no idea that, like, all this music that I had loved <laughs> for years was recorded right here in this one tiny studio in a tiny little town of Muscle Shoals, Alabama. So, you know, of course, that immediately caught my eye, and I called up Scott. I was like, man, we got to get down to Muscle Shoals to fame. And he's like, to where? <laughs> and um, was that, what, didn't I tell you about fame? Did you not know about fame? Yeah, either? you told me about it. But then about the same time, um, I just arbitrarily, I'd watched the Muscle Shoals documentary. Oh, I'm yeah. sitting there watching it thinking, it happened about the same time as he was hearing about it. 
it's like this would be the best place for us to record. Aaron's coming at it from an old school point of view. He wants to do it the real way, the way bands used to do it, not not relying on social media or technology to make the band, but to just do it the old school way. And I watched this documentary and then I sent it to him. I said, dude, you got to watch this. <laughs> and then he heard the whole story. It's like, we got to get down there. Oh, yeah. So we went in 2019. We booked a date at Fame and uh, we met some good people that day. I mean, people that are my friends today and uh, the head engineer there at the time, John Gifford. Um, hell, he's still one of my good friends and we've done lots of music together over the years. Um, but my feeling, man, when I first got down there, it was like a whole new world. Stepping out of the car, you know, walking up to the studio. It's just like a weird magic in the air, you know, that you feel. It's a, it's hard to find that anywhere else. I don't think I've felt that at any other studios, you know. I just feel like there's something in, in the air floating down there. I know it sounds really cliche and weird, you know, but... You know, there's just something magical about that tiny little town, and it's been proving itself for, you know, 60 years as to why. But, you know, recording there, um, I just don't think there's anywhere like it. You know, uh, I prefer to record there every chance we can get, you know, and uh, that's pretty much where we stay at as far as recording goes, except for this new record. Um, which we did try here in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. But prior to that, for four years straight, we just mainly recorded in uh, Muscle Shoals. Who was uh, who was the producer you worked with? Um, well, down in Muscle Shoals, we were kind of just self-producing at that point. Okay, and um, we had a, a few friends and people like stopping in and kind of helping out making pointers but for the most part we pretty much just self-produced everything um, our buddy john gifford would kind of act as a producer a little bit you know but he was also the engineer but you know he had been with fame for 12 years at that point as the head engineer and so we trusted his word you know and he'd help kind of produce a little bit and uh you know once we got to working on this new record uh, here in Leapers Fork, Tennessee, uh, we have Casey Wasner, who's Keb Moe's drummer. He engineered it mm -hmm. and produced it. Right on, right on. When uh, when you guys um, write, uh, is it is there like one chief songwriter? Or is it a group effort, or how's that process go? In the beginning, I was like the main songwriter. Um, you know. We've had lineup changes, of course, so, you know, me and Scott are the only two original members left, and, you know, mm. so throughout then, you know, I've guess just pretty much been the chief songwriter, because, you know, people come and go, so somebody's got to keep writing songs, somebody's got to do it, and, you know, I had a bunch of songs already when we started this thing um, that I wanted to work on, you know, and I guess that's just kind of how it took shape, but uh, where we're at now, it's definitely more group oriented. You know, one of us will come up with an idea or we just jam, you know, we'll get together at rehearsal and just jam and just come up with shit like that. Usually if we jam long enough, a song will come out of it, you know, and, uh, but there's a lot of different ways, you know, Victor might come up with a riff on the guitar and send us a voice memo, or I might do that, 
you know, then we might get together at rehearsal the next day and try and write a song. Yeah. So when, I guess when, when I listen to your stuff, like it's like, I think right away, like Southern rock blues influenced, um, is that, is that like a, I don't think nowadays genre really matters how much you blur the lines or anything. You know what I mean? So like, if you guys would put yourself like we are this kind of band, this is what we sing or, and then going off that, um, were all of you, cause obviously you had like new members come in. What was it hard? Like for you, uh, Victor to like, um, were you playing some, something completely different? You know what I mean? Or what did you have to gel? Was it easy to gel with the, their style or how'd that all happen? Yeah. Like I've always listened to, you know, like Southern rock blues, some of my favorite music, especially being a guitar player. It's like, you know, that's where all the juice is from. So when I, you know, heard their songs, I was like, Oh yeah, I can totally get behind this, you know, no problem. You know, of course I had like, you know, I was going on some like crazy fusion, like, you know, Maha Vishnu. Like I was getting into the beyond. So like, wow, I, I can bring it back, back to this planet and make some good soulful <laughs> music again, you know, cause sometimes when you get so stuck in that, you know, like I'm a musician, I need so good. You, know, you just go, you just go into the beyond sometimes. And some people never make it back, but on these boys, they <laughs> again I'm like, yeah this is really cool you know it's like you listen to the rolling stones and stuff it's just real the guitars are like you know simple everything's simple melodic and it's supposed to like you know catch your your ear it's not supposed to like blow your mind up you know so i think i was able to latch on it pretty well and bring out some you know soul and bluesy emotions and some of that you know southern playing you know like Dwayne Allman, Allman Brothers, Skinner, that style you know it's one of my favorite styles and I'm glad to be able to get back into it and start playing again with these guys. Hell yeah. Was that uh right. Victor well, go ahead go ahead. <laughs> Welcome back to the planet. Oh, <laughs> So is is that so is like Southern Rock, I guess for you, um um was that hard to um not hard to was that always something you wanted to do? Um, Aaron, or was that something like that you kinda this is well, what fits in town or how'd that work? Well, you know, I like you know, I was super into the alternative stuff growing up and so was I not I could always hear the blues and the music. You know, you always pick up on the, where the roots are from the songs. And then, you know, eventually I made my way down the line, you know, and I moved to North Carolina. And that's especially when I got like the Southern environment. So I was like, wow, so this is what it's all about. You know, you got the home cooking fried chicken and barbecue, and it all translates into like the, the musical style as well. You know, you hear those licks, you hear the way they play and sing so i started listening to a bunch you know like skinner the allman brothers were like my big southern rock band because when i heard them you know the guitars are my favorites so they're probably my favorite southern rock band so you know when i heard hippies and cowboys i was like oh wow this is really like you know in that region so 
let's take it back to some some of those licks and you know bring those ideas to the table and start making that part of my influence and my playing a little bit more which is really cool because it's it's amazing music it sounds beautiful makes you feel good southern rock you know it doesn't get any better than that tough to beat man yeah mm-hmm. and southern rock is just literally like rock and roll it's all blues rock you know it's american music so that's right you you take it all the way back to robert john you know mm-hmm. victor can shred his ass off too. <laughs> dude it's awesome to watch. I still like all this time after. I still love watching him play guitar. You know? Yeah, Victor. Speaking, you know, I I may be completely wrong here. What were you? I went to Nashville for the first time. Do you guys know Revelry? Oh yeah, love those dudes. Yeah, man. yeah they're they're homies. I went and saw them play at uh, fuck. What was it? It was like a Legion, like American Legion bar, and um. And I, you were talking about you played like a bunch of fusion and shit. Were you in a band before this that was like, was that you? Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, dude. What a coincidence! You're a fresh squeeze. Yes, you were there. You opened for him. Yeah, that's great. I remember being those the first. I was like, holy shit, these guys. You know, they're fucking crazy. Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, oh shit, you know, like some bad boy rock and roller looking dudes, and like here. Like, you know, Leo's my friends playing like Getty Lee. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all really cool. American Legion was awesome, and um, what a nice thing. So yeah, I do hockey talk Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So like we, you know, it was a, a time. It was when I first moved to Nashville, and just got like music school and stuff and me and my friends were listening all that stuff like yes you know, yeah. like all the progressive really just like, told you, it just started coming out you know it was a creative moment where in time we're like yeah we can really just fuse like you know masa and and a little bit of hip-hop we're like let's just try and do that and see what happens so it was like very creative but you know all things. I mean, yeah, it, I, and I don't want to keep talking about me, but it's just funny because that was the first time I, uh, I came to Nashville in my life. And I was, I, uh, Revelry had, had just released Dirty and that was like their first like song, their first single. And I did a write up on them and then like, I kind of got to talking to them and, they were like, we're playing a show down here. If you want to come, like, yeah, sure. So I went down, went to the Legion. There's, like, no one there, just, like, old dudes at a bar. I'm like, am I at the right fucking place? And I walk <laughs> in to that back room, and you guys are playing uh, Fresh Squeeze. And I walk in, I'm like, this can't be the right place. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> oh, that's fucking crazy. That's yeah I, I thought i was gonna walk into like you know some some honky tonk shit and i walk in and i hear like yes play and I'm like okay i like yes it was good but it was like okay cool <laughs> i first heard about victor and all them uh, victor and leo um uh, i kept seeing our our buddy bo um bo lasovich from a band called true villains 
Um, yeah. I kept seeing him hanging out with these two guys. And I was like, who in the fuck is that? They're like really good, man. And I kept seeing them everywhere somehow on social media. And um, that's how I found out about them. And they were still fresh squeezed at that point. And I was like, damn, I got to figure out who these guys are and start hanging out with them, man. Because they were super fucking cool. That was a great band. And that band pretty much evolved into their current band called Calico Mantra. They got some really yeah. cool psychedelic music out. You guys should go check them out. Yeah. Um, one more thing about that night, and then I'll move on, I promise. Well, we, we, I don't know if it was – I don't remember if it was you guys in Revelry or if there was another band in there, but there was a drummer I remember. I think he was like either had like a bald head or like a buzz cut. And, dude, I thought he was on cocaine, bro. He was up there. I thought he was about to fu- – I thought it was about to fall out of his throne, bro. It was fucking crazy. We would learn these songs that'd be so complicated. And then he would get way too excited playing drums and he would like speed everything up. So we're sitting, <laughs> you know, you know the faces. He was oh, yeah. one of the funniest guys on the planet. Just uh-huh. watching him play drums is even funnier. But playing with him in the band while watching him playing drums is like insanely funny because you're trying to do everything it's it's great but yeah that's max max is a great dude he's he's honestly one of the nicest human beings ever but he is fucking hilarious and just watching him play drums he just shreds the shit out of him he does it's great yeah Yeah, he's he's great he's actually been my friend since uh freshman year in high school oh wow rest in our musical journeys together and learned about you know went through all the phases together so he was my first friend in North Carolina. He's the first guy that uh, introduced me to Bojangles Fried Chicken. <laughs> Thank you, Maxie. Awesome. Um, so I guess, I guess while we're on we're on the we're on the topic of like uh, other bands out there, are there any? Um, and this is a question coming from Nick, who runs Rage Rowdy, because he he's always looking for guys out there. He's around town all the time are there any bands that you guys would like say like along with you guys i guess you could say are in the same like i don't know class some people like to say or like people that you could say hey go check these guys out they're kick-ass too man um, definitely calico mantra band is pretty fun mm-hmm. great music going uh the garden of eden is really good reveal um awesome Benny Carl shreds the shit out of harmonica. Yeah, player. Um, Ace Monroe's pretty good too. You yeah, doing? I know their I know their manager Pope. Uh, I think he's their manager still, but yeah, I know they're pretty damn good too. Some bands that we like that are currently, I, I really like the Red Clay Strays. Those guys mm-hmm. are nailing it right now. Um, Cadillac Three is good. Tribal Horseman. Mm-hmm. Got some jams. Oh yeah, Tribe of Horsemen. Daniel Donato. We like Daniel Donato. Honey, there's some bowlers of ours. They're fucking awesome. Um, Hell yeah. I'm sure there's more that I'm missing. Yeah, there's five million out there. <laughs> Everybody says there's a shortage of rock bands, but they clearly haven't been to Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, you know. Awesome. We we like, uh, we support the community a lot, and we do a lot of like uh, tribute shows and shit like that where we bring the community together and 
give everybody a chance to get up and jam. You know, like uh, we're doing a Beatles tribute show February 28th at the Basement East. And uh, we got the Music City Stones opening the show. So it's like the Beatles and the Stones night, you know. It's mm-hmm. going to be really cool. Um, but we got a bunch of special guests. We just get musicians from all over the community in Nashville to come up and play with us, you know. We host yeah. the show and then just switch in and out. So it's always a good time. So Hell yeah. you should have your tickets <laughs> to... <laughs> The Beatles and Stones night at Basement East, February 28th. <laughs> yeah, everyone go get them. I might have to make it down there for that one. Um, yeah. Uh, here's a corny-ass question, so bear with me. I've been asking a few people this the past week or so. Uh, are there any, with it being the new year, uh, is there anything in 2024 specifically, like goals that you guys would say, like, we have to reach this, or this is what we're going to work to this year? I would say getting on, um, getting on a, a tour, opening for somebody. You know, um, we've done a lot of, you know, weekend road gigs and one-offs and stuff like that. But we haven't really been on a, a big tour yet. So that's a, a definite goal of ours to go on tour, supporting our new EP that's going to be coming out in the spring. Right on. So let's talk about that then. Uh, what do you got coming out for like new music that you are comfortable with sharing to the masses? Well, um, all like three was... people who listen, that is. Right. <laughs> well, like I was saying earlier, um, we went down to Leapers Fork, Tennessee, and we went to a Purple House, which is just a tiny little house. Like It's a little house, but it's converted into a studio. So, you know, I think there's only four tiny rooms you know, that you're recording in, but all the gear is world-class, you know, and everything that we're using is fucking awesome. And the space is vibey. We were, we've recorded in, you know, the best of the best studios, Blackbird and fame and, you know, all these places. But I really think I enjoyed my time the most there at Casey's place, uh, Purple House, because the vibes are just there and, and he kind of helped produce and, kept us moving you know and um it was a great experience all around so we recorded seven songs and um we're gonna be putting that out uh late spring early summer we'll probably put out a single or two before then but um with that we're gonna find a little tour maybe three weeks to a month and go promote the record hell yeah boys uh guys thanks a lot for hopping on uh i've been looking for i've been looking forward to this for a while uh as scott knows we've been emailing back and forth for a little while now but uh good to finally get it done and uh if you guys have any plugs socials any shows i know you mentioned the beatles and stones one floor is yours uh just go look up hippies and cowboys band.com you can find everything on there you can go find our tour schedule you can buy our merch you can listen to our music you can watch videos look at pictures um, keep up with all of our latest, you know, latest and greatest. So hippies and cowboys band.com. And you can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at hippies and cowboys band and Spotify, iTunes. Just look up hippies and cowboys and chances are we'll be on there. Hell yeah. And we also have, we're going to play a song after, after this interview ends, uh, called 20 to life. Um, 
if you uh any of you want to give a little preface on what that like maybe a background on what that song is sure um yeah well that was our first single and i had written that uh shit five years ago now or so something like that and um you know i was just sitting in my room one day and i just started messing around with uh open g tuning i had found out like the Keith Richards method, you know, taking the, the low E string off and using five strings and tuning them all to open G. And um, that's pretty much how that song came about, just kind of practicing with open G. And I found the opening riff and thought it sounded really cool. And, and then it uh, pretty much evolved into like a rock and blues tune, you know, Southern rock and blues. And um, the lyrics... Uh, I was sitting around just drinking beer with my friends and we were talking about murder ballads, you know, like uh, Johnny Cash's song, uh, Cocaine Blues and all that stuff. You know, murder ballads, we feel like people doesn't really do that anymore and we just had fun writing a murder ballad. It's pretty much what it is. It talks about, uh, you know, the, the woman leaves him for another man and he gets pissed and she moves to Reno and he's from Toledo, Ohio. You know, and he comes all the way from Toledo all the way out to Reno and kills the girl, you know, because she <laughs> left. So, you know, it's interesting. It's fun. It's whimsical, you know, and we had a good time making it. There's also a music video out to it. Go check out the music video on YouTube. Hell yeah. Everyone check that out. You're going to hear the song here in a second. But uh, yeah, guys, thanks a lot. Like you said, everyone go check out uh, Hippies and Cowboys. Um, also, check out Ray's Rowdy, our website, our socials, Rowdy Alternative. Uh, you'll find us anywhere. Uh, so, boys, thanks a lot. Everyone listening, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, guys. Bye.